quick off-the-shelf ad hoc podcast. I, you know, I, I want to talk about the Lakers situation for a second. I, I know a lot of people um, are annoyed that they get the buzz, but I, I just think this is a completely mismanaged team, and I just want to dissect it. So, look, being a good GM, amongst other things, is about finding market inefficiencies. And we talked about this a lot. There's a, there's a huge scale of players that become so underrated that they're overrated, so overrated that they're underrated. Right, and at at a high level, you want to attract talent, and we you know that could do at least two out of three of these things. Right, create their own shot or create offense for others, like playmaking. Right, um, being able to shoot, so they could space and they could shoot, and defensive flexibility. And you could argue the importance of each of those things, but you need a team in totality that encompasses all three, but not every player needs to be able to do all three. That's very, if a player does all three, they're, uh, they're an MVP. Most players in the NBA cannot do all three. Look at the best players in the league. Uh, they could do one of those things excellently, right? Maybe they're amazing at one of those three and they're pretty good at the other two or, or, you know, some combination of that, right? Like a Luca, great playmaking, Curry, great shooting, obviously could play make and is an average defender. Um, you know, LeBron, the list goes on. So, that's the way to dissect also the talents that, that you want to get, right? So now, if you're the Lakers, your biggest value as an asset currently are two things. Obviously, Westbrook's massive expiring deal, which is an asset if you want to take back longer contracts, which if you're the GM, you shouldn't be that scared to do because you have limited options. And obviously, the two future firsts, which again... If you're the GM, you probably would want to do, but again, I think I think ownership, uh, Genie Bus in particular, understands um, the incentives here, and, and that's a big part, right? So real quick on that, what I mean is, if you're a GM, you know your shelf life sometimes, in this case, let's say Rob Palinka doesn't have the longest shelf life, right? If he doesn't deliver a title or a contending team over the next maybe even a year to two years, I mean, they're going to have a new GM. Like it, It's going to be shorter than that. Like If the Lakers miss the play in this year, uh, or even make the plan to lose in the first round, like he's gone. I think they have to probably make the conference finals and show signs they could contend the following year for him to stay. So that's that's the rub on Polinka. So Polinka's obviously incentivized uh, to utilize those future firsts because if he doesn't utilize it, he, he's not going to be there to use them anyway. So what's the point? But but Jeannie knows this, and that's why she's going to probably nix deals that um, utilize the future firsts unless – uh, they're, they're, you're really getting a, a star talent, right? So I think if we're all Palinka, you got to be clever about it. So back to what I said. The other point about the, the Lakers, too, is let's just be honest. Your two players aren't going to be able to play the full season. It's not, not a knock. LeBron's 37. That, that's a ridiculous ask. And then, and then Anthony Davis has never played a full season. So your goal should be, like, how do I just get rotational-level talent? And, like, look, I, I'm not going to knock what they did for agency. Like, Juan Toscano-Anderson is a good example. He's a fine back-end rotation guy uh, for the regular season. But look, Golden State, who won the title, and that's what you're trying to aspire to do. You're trying to aspire to be a title-contending team. A title-contending team just had this player, and he did not get off the court in the playoffs. So Juan Toscano-Anderson, as an example, is what I call a back-end, at best, regular season rotational talent. But he's not even a playoff rotational talent. And right now, the Lakers... You know, I think the Beverly pickup was fine. I'm not. That was good, actually, for them. That was a good pickup. 
they really have, obviously, when healthy, really only um, three guys out of, like, what you need is at least seven or eight that you could play in the playoffs, and maybe four or five at tops out of nine you could play in the regular season comfortably, or else you're really at a disadvantage in those games. On top of that, we said LeBron and AD are probably not going to be healthy all season, right? So let's say one of them are. So that, you drop one, you drop one talent down, right? Your goal for the Lakers is how do I construct a team that's a 55-win team when LeBron and AD are playing, but if one of them are not playing, is a 500 team. If you can get that combo, then you should avoid the play and you should be roughly around a six seed or at worst make the play in, but but at least host at home and you have to play one game. That's sort of the framework. In order to do that, they just need more players. They just need talent and they can figure it out, right? So, you know, first of all, you got to get the, the guys you could quickly pick up that have proven they're of a talent recently and that are, you know, quote unquote, no longer a talent. This is the marketing deficiency. Dennis Schroeder is a great example. The guy was worthy of an $84 million extension two years ago for a reason. Now, look, when the Celtics got rid of him, they improved drastically. I get it. Like, you know, sometimes when you have the on-the-ball talent, it, it, it impacts the players in others, other ways. you got to figure that out as a coach in the rotation. The Celtics had too many players, and they're better off getting a ball mover. The Lakers don't have enough players, so they absolutely need to pick up a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who is an NBA rotational talent. He's both a regular season and a playoff rotational talent. Right, you could wor- worry about the fit later. Okay, he's proven that with that lineup and that you fit as a sixth man. So that's one example. It's absolutely uh, a guy you jump at. So that's easy. That you now you just got one right off the waiver wire. Right, you don't even have to do any any further moves. On top of that, you have a team right now in the Knicks that have a lot of guys because they had a bad season who are actually talents. So let's, let's dissect them kind of individually, right? Uh, Randall Fournier um, in particular, right? That tandem. So obviously it behooves the Knicks to unload them, and they were already flirting with them in the Westbrook three-way with Utah, okay? You know, Randall made an all-NBA team two years ago. You know, we shit on him for the Knicks. He's a bad fit for the Knicks because they need to develop Obi Toppin, and that team's in a fork in the road, and they're probably um, going to need to take a step back before they take a step forward, even more maybe, and or just use more usage to develop uh, Barrett and give more stuff to Brunson and all that. So the the Knicks are right because, again, you just need talent, and you can figure out if they're off the ball, on the ball, but you, you, don't, you don't have the luxury of differentiating right now for the Lakers between, oh, no, we have to get an on-the-ball talent or off-the-ball talent. Randall is perfect because, especially in those times where one of Davis or LeBron are playing, he can be the other usage guy. And, like, look, even if you're, like, a 35-ish win team, which you've proven he could be basically the best player on a 35-win team, you know, that could get you through the drugs of the season if you're playing, like, Charlotte at home and you don't lose those games. Or in Detroit, right? Randall could, could give you some performances where at least you're getting through those those dog days of the winter, the January-February schedule, uh, while you're resting one of Davis or LeBron. Okay? So Randall's a great pickup there. And, again... You know, he's, just because he's bad on one team doesn't mean he's bad on the other. He's still a talent. This is what people don't get. So much of the NBA is everyone in the NBA is super talented. And there's some, there's levels of the talent. I get it, right? But if you could create, if you could do one of those three things really well, which Randall does, which is uh, you could create, um, and he's shown ability to shoot a little bit, and he's a willing defender, you don't sleep on those guys. And, and they're ripe for the picking. 
You don't have to give up an asset to get rid of them. The team wants to unload them because of their own situation. Don't let that team's situation impact your situation. Just get the talent. The Lakers should be in talent accumulation mode. And he's a veteran, and he'd be, you know, he's, he's um, he should be willing to kind of fit where he needs to fit on the roster, where it's off the bench or what have you. So Randall's an easy one. Fournier's in a similar boat, right? Like, he was successful again. There's a reason why the Knicks signed him to the contract they did. He had a good job two years ago in the playoffs with the Celtics. He had good moments with the Knicks even last year. He was one of the, led the league, I think, or was amongst the lead leaders in three-point attempts, a volume shooter, and shot near or around 40%. So that's a huge value for the Lakers, just an off-the-ball guy that could shoot, okay? And then he could create a little bit. Orlando, he was one of the best sixth men in the league. There's a reason why the the Celtics at the time, a few years back, right, moved, you know, um, small assets, minor assets, in order to acquire So Forney and Randall, right off the bat, now you're adding to that group we said it was like four or five regular season rotational talents and their playoff rotational talents. Those guys who you feel confident playing in the playoffs. And then on top of that, you know the Knicks really want to move those guys. What extra, and again, your point, if you're the the Lakers, you're one of the few teams that's looking at quantity, not quality. Because you have the quality in LeBron and AD. But if you get the quantity, now you're all set. And then if you could squeeze out Derrick Rose in that deal, you'll take him. And you'll take Cam Reddish. You like Cam Reddish. Take him. He's out of the, the rotation anyway. Right? Now, look. Will this cost you a first-rounder? It may. Just one. Just one. It's better than any other deal out there for the Lakers. Any other deal. They want to get Buddy or Miles Turner. It's going to cost them two firsts. All right? This is only going to cost you maybe one. Maybe. I don't think – and you don't have to get rid of any other – uh, what I call, you know, rotational talent, playoff or regular season. So you got a shot to add at least three in Randall, um, Forney, and Rose, and maybe four if you add Cam Reddish. You can have four guys who now you're confident in playing in both a regular season and a playoff rotation. They've proven it in their careers. They could fit around your roster. We could worry about, like, what the starting lineup is later. That's not as critical, in my opinion, just need the players. Because a lot of these guys are interchangeable, by the way. People think they're they're not. They are. But you got you can make sure basically have playable players on the course. You're not relying on Austin Reeves and Wayne Gabriel and the and the bunch. Anyway, that's the route. Um, you know they need to take. So obviously the question is going to be you know whether uh, any of these guys are confident to do it. But you know we shall see. But but to me that that's the easiest deal. Um, that. Uh, both, both parties can execute, right? Easiest way. Easiest thing. And your boy just got lucky by getting the last spot on the train. Literally the last. Today's going to be a great day, guys. Got the last spot on the train. We're all excited. Speak to you guys.